As funny as that clip is, uh, I think it does capture a lot of what maybe your average person or maybe even some Christians believe about prayer. In fact, some of those questions that David, uh, raised, Larry David raises are some questions I've had about prayer. So this morning, we want to take some time to talk about those and maybe answer some of those objections Larry has raised, or Larry David has raised. I think for all of us, most of us, have that kind of I'm bald experience with prayer. We've prayed about something, it hasn't happened, and it leaves us kind of lost or confused. And for some of us, it's small, trivial things that we look back on and we say, oh, I'm glad the Lord didn't answer that prayer. But for some of us, those unanswered prayers are life-altering. In fact, that's one objection often raised, is that God promised to answer prayer, and he doesn't. And that way, if he doesn't, then he must not exist. As Christians, we might be tempted to just kind of explain this away, but let's take a look at St. Louis, the very city we inhabit, uh, as an example of how sometimes this does seem to be true. The first church building broke ground in St. Louis in 1770. That was 252 years ago. I think it's safe to say that for those 252 years, daily, someone in the city has been praying for St. Louis. Asking according to God's will, praying that the city be a better place. And if that's true, if there's been 252 years of daily prayer, shouldn't St. Louis look like a different place by now? Wouldn't there be less crime? Wouldn't there be more peace? Wouldn't there be more reconciliation? Wouldn't there be more salvations? If you're new with us this morning, we are continuing in a series that raises some of these questions. It's called Six Reasons Why I Might Lose My Faith and Six Reasons Why I Won't. As a church, we are committed to teaching that will challenge not just outsiders, but those of us who are inside the faith as well. And what we're trying to do is create an environment where anyone can come in with questions, can come in with doubts, without fear of judgment. We hope that everyone who comes in rooftop, whether you've been rooftop for 100 years, we're not 100 years old, but 100 years, or whether you've been here for a couple days, we would love for you to come in and be able to take a deep breath and exhale and just work through those hard things. Work through what it means to be a human being in a fallen world. So far, we've looked at different reasons people have rejected the claims of Christianity. Last week, Matt talked about Old Testament violence. The week before that, Skylar talked about, well, isn't Christianity just like every other religion? And this morning, we ask a similar question. Does God answer prayer like the Bible says it will? And if he doesn't, then doesn't that mean he does not exist? Dan Baker is an atheist who founded the Freedom From Religion Foundation. And he would say, yes, that is proof that God doesn't exist. In April of last year, he wrote an article, The Coronavirus Proves God Does Not Exist. In that article, he opens up with, it's simple logic. The Christian God promises to answer prayer. Prayers to this God are not answered. Therefore, the Christian God does not exist. Right now, millions of Christians are asking their God to defeat the coronavirus and heal the sick. Those prayers are having no effect. Now, Dan Baker is not dumb. He was a seminary-trained professor. He knows his stuff. He's trying to take Jesus at his word. And listen to what Jesus says 
about prayer. The book of John, he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Now, if we as Christians want to take the Bible as seriously as we claim, which I think we all do, how do we reconcile this? Dan's words again. How do we reconcile this? It's simple logic. The Christian God promises to answer prayer. Prayers to to this God are not answered. Therefore, the Christian God does not answer exist. Or we could look at numerous prayer studies that have gone on that seem to empirically prove that prayer has no impact on outcomes. One in particular of 400 cardiac patients, 200, their names and conditions were given to a group that promised to pray for them. They went back and they tested the results. And out of 20 possible outcomes, 20 possible things to measure, only six showed slight positive impact there there are tons of these that go on what do we say about these things now it may be easy to dismiss those right we can maybe poke holes in those and they're in a place way far away but what about us here in this room what about when it gets personal but what about when prayer goes unanswered if that's you this morning if you're struggling with that question if you're struggling with the reality of that you are in good company here people at this church have prayed for salvation of loved ones they've prayed for the healing of loved ones and those prayers have gone unanswered i've experienced this some of you may know that previous rooftop i was pastoring in a church in texas and for five years i shared an office space with a woman named Norma Matheny. She was our office manager. I used to joke all the time that outside of my wife, Norma was the woman I talked to the most in my life. For those five years, I talked to no other woman other than my wife, than Norma. My daughters would come up multiple times during the week to say hi to me, and they'd run in the office and talk to Miss Norma, and she'd usually have a, a little gift, something silly, it's like a paper clip. And Norma was 65, the mother to four grandchildren, Christian most of her life. Her husband, Jerry, had just retired in September. At the end of September, she contracted COVID. And she passed away four weeks later. I keep a reminder of her in my office. She was an incredible woman with incredible stories. Just the smallest, simplest, basic acts of faith cooked for tons of people. And when I say we prayed for Norma, we, I mean, we prayed for her to be healed. I personally prayed. My family prayed. Our church gathered corporately during those four weeks, two times in the evening to pray for her. We prayed for her in our corporate worship gatherings every Sunday for those four weeks. Yet she still died. And as I stand here, I don't know why that prayer was not answered. But does that mean God does not exist Dan Baker would say, yes, that's proof that God does not exist. So how would I answer that objection? What would I say to Dan Baker? How would I keep going in life, in my faith? So I'm going to give some rebuttals, but before we do that, let me give one encouragement. 
If you're sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, um, I'm struggling in prayer. I, I, I don't think God exists. I, I've prayed, things don't happen. You're in good company here. If your faith has been rattled by unanswered prayers, let me encourage you. You're safe here. You're in good company here. Not just with people at rooftop, but you are in line with biblical authors. Think about the book of Psalms where it says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 79. I mean, this is almost a little snapshot of the clip we just saw. Help us. O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, deliver us and forgive us our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Why should Larry David say, prayer is as useful as watching the Kardashians? <laughs> Psalm 89, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Lord, remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all mortals you are not alone in questioning god about prayer there are many times in the bible when prayers go unanswered david prays for his child to be healed instead the child dies jesus himself prays that there be an alternative to the cross he dies on the cross paul asked for the thorn to be removed from his flesh three separate times god said no what i love about the bible is that these stories are told openly there's no explanation, but the Bible also is not embarrassed to tell these stories. So this is a, a safe place to come with even the anger of unanswered prayer. Okay, so now before I just, you know, dismiss and say, all right, go ahead, God unanswered prayer. Um, let's, let's give some rebuttals. What would I say? Well, first thing I would say is that Jesus does add a few qualifiers as he's talking about prayer. If we go back and we look at those verses, he does say, I'll do whatever you ask in my name. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you remain in my words and my words remain in you, I'll give you whatever you ask in my name. There are qualifying statements. There's a context for prayer. And that context is the kingdom of God. Now, we're all familiar with qualifying statements, right? You hopefully all are working or trying to find work or you've worked somewhere in the past. Qualifying statements. If I work this many hours, if I do these tasks, I will get paid. Maybe you're a elementary school kid in here and you understand, hey, maybe if I do my chores, I'll get screen time. But I don't get screen time. Unless I do the chores. Or maybe you're at the D-board house and you're trying to get your kids to brush your teeth. And you say, if you brush your teeth, I'll read you The Hobbit tonight. Um, I read it anyway, so it probably doesn't work. But we're used to those kind of bargainings with our kids. Jesus gives a qualifying statement. In my name. The Bible in other places calls it according to the will of God. But we've all been in places where we've prayed that and it hasn't worked out the way we wanted to. So are these phrases kind of little magic dust we sprinkle on our prayers to really get what really manipulate God to do what we want him to do? It's like when I 
look at my calendar and I realized, oh man, I forgot to tell my wife something's going on or, oh, I got something I really want to do later in the afternoon. How can I get her to let me do it? A couple hours before, oh, hey, sweetie, is there just anything I can do for you right now? Just would love to help you. Would love to bless you in some way. What can I do just to show you, right? Is that what praying in God's name is? No, I don't think it's that because praying in God's name, praying in the name of Jesus, praying according to God's will puts our prayers in the context of the kingdom. Think about that. When you pray, like what's God doing right now? I think that's an important question to ask when we think about prayer. God right now is actively working all around us in a billion different ways to grow his kingdom here on earth. That kingdom touches everything. It, touches, it redeems all of creation. Everything is getting made new. Individuals are getting made new. Our relationships are getting redeemed. Systems are getting redeemed. The environment is getting redeemed. God's kingdom is spreading and it's doing all of those things. And we pray in accordance to that. That's what God is doing. And we join him in praying for that kingdom. Now we live in an interesting time. We live in a time some theologians call the in-between, but the not yet. God's kingdom is here, right? But it's not here in fullness. The already, but the not yet. Our prayers partner with God to help expand that. Prayers outside of that go unanswered. This is what God is doing. Now, the good news is that a lot of those things have to do with us because God loves us and God cares for us. But one of the best ways I've thought about how does this work is World War II. When the Allies took Normandy, when they took that beach on D-Day and they established it, basically World War II, it was over in Europe. Doesn't mean that there wasn't any more fighting to do. Doesn't mean there wasn't any more decisions to do. Doesn't mean that people weren't going to die. The Nazis didn't just roll over. But when the Allies took the beach, the Nazis' days were limited. They were numbered. The, America, the Allies were able to get the resources that they needed much easier than before that when they're trying to get them across the Atlantic and then across the English Channel. Now they... They had a base. They could get things where they needed to go. It was, everyone knew it. They knew that the war was over. But there was still a lot of fighting left. When Jesus rose from the grave, the forces of evil received an expiration date. It's over. We win. We just sung about it. In victory. We, we win. It's over. The stronghold, the, e, the stronghold that evil had over this entire world, it's broken. But... <laughs> There's still a lot of fighting left to do, right? There's still a lot of praying left to do. There's still a lot of loving people left to do. Some people are going to die. Some prayers are going to go unanswered. But we know that as we pray, God is going to, in the way that he does it, work for his kingdom to grow and establishment, to grow and establish it. We're praying in a way, according to a battle plan in which we know we're going to win one day. And when we pray that way, the Bible tells us that we kind of come in alignment with God and what he's doing. And it gives us an authority to ask those things. Think about Jesus in the garden. This is a great picture of this. He's praying and he's, he's being honest with God in prayer. God, here, Father, here is what I want. I want the cross to pass from me. That's a good prayer. 
I, I will, I, for Jesus, I, I, please, I don't want to, there's, if there's another way, let there be another way. But Jesus says, but I know that you're doing something greater than what I want. So, your will be done. When we have that attitude, when we are praying in that kind of context, it changes what we pray. It aligns us with God and His ways. It gives us authority to do that. Jesus talks about this. Think about it another way. Think about, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you're sleeping, there's a knock at your door, you wake up, you shuffle out, you look out there, and it's that neighbor that you don't like, he's maybe, he or she's got anger problems, they're just frustrating people. They're beating on the door, and they're saying, hey, open the door. Well, you don't want to open the door. They say, open the door in the name of the law. Well, you chuckle, right? Like, you don't have the authority, like, you're just my neighbor, Bob, you you don't have the authority to get me to open this door. Well, imagine it's two o'clock in the morning. There's a knock on the door. You go and you look out and there's a police officer out there. Well, and they say, hey, open this door in the name of the law. Well, that carries a little bit of more weight. When we pray God's will in the name of Jesus, that God would get glory, we're praying in the context of what God is doing, in the context of the kingdom. And those qualifying statements Jesus makes about prayer leads me to realize, I think, another rebuttal we might offer up. And that prayer is not merely intended to be transactional. Prayer is not just about me getting things from God. Prayer is an extremely relational thing. The God we are praying to is, is not a slot machine that just dispenses what we want if we meet all the right conditions and say the right words. Yes, we can pray according to God's will. Yes, we do that. Yes, it authorizes us. Yes, yes, yes. But also we realize that God is a personal being that we can know and interact with. He's not just a will out there doing things. He's a person. <laughs> Especially in prayer, there is a beautiful relational element. And I think the best way to see this, to see that prayer isn't necessarily just transactional, it's, it's very relational, is in the Lord's Prayer. One time, Jesus' followers, his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, could you imagine, if you're a Christian, believing what we believe about Jesus, who else are we going to ask about prayer? God himself. Teach us to pray. Now, Jesus knows these men's future. He knows your future. He knows my future. He knew all of it way back when. He knows what lies ahead. So I think this is a really important thing to look at in terms of prayer. How should we be praying? Listen to how relational and non-transactional prayer is. The first two words, our Father. Right off the bat, we understand our we're praying together. Prayer isn't necessarily about getting what we want. It's about connecting with those around us. It connects us to other people. I think about the next phrase, our Father. Right Now I know Father can be a challenging word. Totally, completely understand that. So we don't have to get hung up on the Father part. And we could just say, hey, there's some kind of relational aspect that God is trying to teach me. 
So prayer is, is praying to our, together as a group, Father. There's relationship all over the place. Prayer is not just about me and God. As hard as that is for us in the West to understand, because we make the individual the center of everything, even our very religion. But the early church did it a different way. Listen to what they did in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Now, I don't think that meant that they devoted themselves to hold each other accountable for their individual prayer time, right? I don't think they came together and said, let's all get on the same page here. Can we get 10 minutes of prayer? Everyone, let's hold each other accountable to that. Well, that's good, and we should do that. But I think what they devoted themselves to is praying together, coming together for prayer. So when Sima said, well, God doesn't answer prayer, well, I think prayer is something other than just coming together and asking God to get stuff. I've been in my life where I didn't want to pray, frustrated at God, angry, embarrassed about something, too busy too tired, something, whatever excuse I have not to pray. What I needed in those moments was to be praying around other Christians in their presence. When that happens, there's a connection that goes on. And we become different people when we pray this way. Oftentimes when I hear people pray in worship or it's in a prayer meeting, my faith grows. When I see people who have had unanswered prayers continue to pray, continue to sing, continue to petition God, my faith grows. And I find that my sometimes small little personal agendas get kind of shaved down and I can really kind of get into a sweet spot when I'm praying with a lot of people around me. I think this is what Paul means when he says, bear one another's burdens. What does that mean? I can't bear somebody's burden like I can't carry it for them but I can begin to pray with them and in a way we begin to get more connected as we pray it's one of the reasons why we have a prayer team that gathers every Wednesday night at 5 30 here at rooftop to pray I want to encourage you to come especially if you're struggling in prayer they, they're not like the super elites who are gonna like we're all gonna pray for an hour out loud and if you can't keep up good luck man they're just normal people like you and me if you're struggling in prayer, they're going to say, welcome to the club. And they're going to pray with you. So when someone says, well, God doesn't answer prayer, well, prayer maybe isn't what they think prayer is. It's a relational thing. It used to connect me to other people and to God. The third rebuttal, though, I would offer is that, well, God oftentimes does answer prayer. I would say that most of the time, it's in ways I didn't expect, but God does answer prayer. Remember Dan Baker's critique, that because COVID is still around, God must not exist. How do you answer that? For me as a Christian, I would say the fact that we have doctors and nurses and incredible advances in medical care are examples of answered prayer. Think of the incredible leaps we've made in combating COVID in two years. Time just kind of runs together sometimes when I think about this. Think of the advancements we've made. I've talked to a couple of doctors and, and they said, man, if this would have happened like 10 years ago, we would be in much worse shape. 
We'd still be trying to figure out stuff. And if this happened 20 years ago, things would be even more catastrophic. God answers prayer in ways we don't expect. The incredible achievements of modern medicine don't just happen in a vacuum. They didn't just, oh, boom, this happens. No, it's a result of thousands of years of, I would say, sacrificial giving by people to fund resource, research, studying, serving people. I would say prayer plays a huge role in that. I often think about this, right? So we're praying for God, Lord, help us with COVID. Please stop COVID. We've got doctors and nurses doing incredible things to combat it, researchers, people giving money, just a million different things working together. I think about this often when I come to the gospel accounts found in Matthew 9 and 10. In Matthew 9, Jesus sees a problem. He looks out and he sees, he has compassion on all these people who are lost. They don't have a shepherd. They don't have someone to love them and care for them and lead them into God's kingdom. He turns to his followers and he says, man, you see all these people out here, they need help. Would you pray for God to send people to help these people. And then you turn it over one more chapter. And then what does Jesus do? He sends the people who are praying. To go meet the need that was out there. There is an incredible truth in that. That right now. As you sit in this room. Or you're watching live stream. You could be the answer to someone else's prayer. Not you could be. Not you should. You get to be. Isn't that incredible? You get to be the answer to someone's prayer. Maybe there's someone right now, they're sitting here and they're praying, Lord, I don't have the finances to meet these bills. I, Lord, please help me. Please, 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 please. You could be the answer to that. Maybe there's someone in your sphere of influence that's isolated and alone and broken and they're praying, Lord, I need to know somebody out there still cares about me. I need to know somebody out there will be kind to me. Somebody out there will love me. You get to be that person. <laughs> That's incredible. And although God does answer prayer in some ways we're not expecting, sometimes God does answer prayer in the way that we ask it. I have two ways that I've experienced this. When I was first became a believer, I was at a church in Soddy Daisy, Tennessee, the booming metropolis of Soddy Daisy, Tennessee. We were a small little church and a woman got connected to our community and she started coming and, and we soon realized that she, her husband was very abusive. I mean, in every sense of the word, physically, emotionally, verbally, just a very wicked person. And we began praying for her and in a prayer meeting, um, there was an older lady, you know, one of these older saints who just, you feel like they've been praying since the day they were born. And as attested to by many people at the prayer meeting, she prayed, Lord, if this man is not going to change, will you please take him? <laughs> I mean, you kind of know where the story is going. God is my witness, as attested to by multiple people. The next week, the gentleman died. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, get right. Okay, maybe you do. God answered that prayer in a specific way. Here's one a little cheerier, maybe. I was in Texas. Our associate pastor um, tells a story attested to by other people at the church. He had a daughter when she was younger. Kept complaining about her hip. Her hip hurt. Her leg hurt. Hip just hurt. It hurt. It hurt. He was like a 
pastor back in the, okay, he's 87 years old. So this was back in like the 60s, right? So he, um, he did not get paid very well to be a pastor. So they didn't have insurance. They didn't have money. They didn't know what to do. So finally they break down. They go to the doctor. The doctor's like, yeah, this is really bad. In fact, it's so bad, we're going to have to amputate it. So they're like, okay. So they go home. They pray. They call a church to prayer. Two days later, they go back to the hospital to do it, right? They're like, well, we got to go. I mean, we're going to believe and trust, but we still need to go. They get her on the, the table. They do a scan. Sure enough, all the infection is completely gone, right? She gets up, walks out. Pastor said, man, the day of, she woke up and was like, my hip doesn't hurt. And I was like, okay. She's nervous. She's scared. She'll want to do it. Boom. What do we, <laughs> maybe you can explain that away somehow. Oh, the skin didn't work. Or, or oh, well, maybe this gentleman was just, I just don't think you can do that. They, this was a specific prayer and God answered it in a very specific way. So what's the application there? How do we, what do we think about prayer in light of unanswered prayers, in light of prayers that seem to be answered? I think it's this. It's we just have to keep praying. Don't give up praying. If we want to be people who are praying, like to be connected to one another, to be in the context of God's kingdom, we just have to keep praying. This may be the most profound thing I think I've ever gained as a pastor, like insight that I didn't read from a book or something. I just remember one time praying and just walking away and just the biggest revelation was that I just needed to keep praying. <laughs> like that was it. The biggest revelation I've ever received in prayer is I need to pray more. Don't give up. Keep praying. What does Jesus say about this? What about Jesus who's answer in the garden in some real way was not answered? Who said, Lord, I, let this pass. In Luke 19, Jesus tells a parable. And this is one of those places where Luke just cuts to the chase and tells you exactly what the parable is about. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. There is great mystery in prayer. There is no denying it. But that's a clear teaching from Jesus. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. We never know how close we are to receiving what we're praying for. Think about how many prayers have been prayed in this building. Think about the church before. How many were they praying for people to come to see Jesus? We're answers to those prayers. Don't give up. Keep praying. So I ask you this morning, what's like that next step in prayer? Maybe you've been praying for somebody, for a relationship, for help. Maybe you've been praying for like 10, 15 years. Man, don't give up. Keep praying. If you feel like giving up, bring other people into it. Say, man, I'm so tired of praying for this. Can you please pray with me? I guarantee you, if you do that and you sit with someone and they pray for it, it will cause you to pray. Maybe you're sitting here and you say, man, you know what? I don't pray for anything. I'm just going to be honest with you. Why don't you just take that first step and just choose something and start praying for it? In fact, why don't you join me right now? That's what we're going to do. We're going to have a moment and we're going to pray. Band's going to play. We're going to pray. And after that, we're going to sing a song. And I want to encourage you, as you sing, let that be an offering. Let that be a prayer that you're lifting up to God. Pray with me. Lord, 
we need you. Lord, we come honestly to you, much like Jesus, much like Paul, much like David. Lord, we just come honestly to you right now. Lord, I need prayer. Lord, I need to keep praying. Lord, there's this thing that I've been praying about and you haven't answered it or you didn't answer it. Lord, what's going on? Lord, will you help us? Will you pour out your spirit upon us? Will you help encourage us to not lose heart, to not give up, but to keep praying? Maybe we're sitting here and we say, oh, Lord, this seems weird. I feel like Larry David. I don't know. Do I bow my head? Do I close my eyes? Do I win? Lord, I don't know. I just want to be honest with you, Lord. Are you there? I'm just going to pray like you are. Will you help me? Will you lead me? Will you guide me? Or maybe we're praying this, Lord, use us to be the answer to prayer. Or maybe someone's faith is so shaky that they're praying and they need you to come through. And, and we are that coming through, Lord. Would you empower us to go and do that? We know that would be much for our good, but ultimately be for your glory. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.